0: Welcome, I'm Gemma Petherbridge, host of the Higher Self Business Podcast, created to support those working in and dreaming of entering the self development and holistic industries. Each week, we explore different topics that will help you turn your skills and modalities into a successful business. So, whether you are a healer, coach, lightworker, witch, starseed, or mystic, if you are part of the awakened generation, this podcast is perfect for you. Let's begin. Hi everyone, welcome back. So this week we are following on from an episode, which is actually episode eight, which does feel like quite a long time ago, when we had the lovely Joanna O come on to tell us about the astrology of 2022. And as we were chatting away, we realized there was so much to share that we would split it up into little chunks. So Joanna is back with us today to tell us she's gonna step back a little bit and focus and talk about May, how the energies of May, which is the month Joanna and I are literally recording in now, going through the next few months, how the energy is going to change and what's going to happen. So without further ado, Joanna, honey, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. Well, thank you for coming back. Now, your episode where you're talking about the astrology was one of the most popular we've had so far. Wow. So, Thank you. And it shows how much everybody loves this topic. So I'm literally going to stop talking. I know you've got a lot to share. So if you want to get going, I will be sat here ready to ask any questions. I think people may find they would like answered as we go, if that's okay. Oh, I'm so excited after you said that. (laughs) Yeah, no, honestly, top, top episode. You did good for sure. Oh, amazing. Okay. Well,
1: I guess uh, people would remember and can go back and reference to some of the things more specifically. But last time you and I spoke, we covered extensively the first couple of months of the year, like you said. And some of the key themes were, from what I remember from my notes here, the shifting of the nodes of destiny. So we talked about the nodes changing signs, uh, which happens every year and a half, which dictates the energy that is being brought towards us and it sets pretty much the cosmic tone and eclipses that occur then we talked about the jupiter influence this giant planet of abundance and expansion that is moving through pisces for most of the year jupiter and pisces is are the two kind of zodiac related things it related to spirituality so 2022 is not just a year for healing, as we talked about last time, but also for spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot in this episode to support that idea, which is why I'm so excited. I'm like stuttering. (laughs) Pisces, uh, of course, rules empathy, selfless love, devotion, wisdom, its shadow side, however, involves feeling a bit victimized by life, passivity, perhaps avoidance. Uh, which we'll get into a little bit later we talked about the Pluto return for the US and yeah. I'm going to leave you hanging a little bit with this one until we do the next episode for the latter chunk of the year because that's going to be a little bit more relevant oh Although... I like that you've got a little <laughs> kind of tip hit for the future exactly um, so I'll keep you on the hook for that one but there's a lot in the next few months, uh, that can kind of be linked to the Pluto return and what we're seeing in the US right now with the abortion rights, you know, systems being destroyed, uh, all of those things coming to the forefront remains to be seen a bit later on. We'll talk about this more extensively. And then the eclipses, um, which, you know, we've just come out of, yeah. of eclipse season. I wanna ask, first of all, how has it been for you? Because I know last year you messaged me towards the tail end of 2021. Um, talking about that so how did it feel for you
0: yeah it I noticed it and I I think we've said before that I'm not always someone who does but people in hindsight people go oh that was probably because of this particular planetary alignment I'm like oh, okay um, not too intently to be fair I feel the energies right now are more interesting for me I'm seeing all sorts I mean you'll probably explain to me in a minute lots of things right now um, but I definitely messaged you didn't I going what's happening why is yeah and you reminded me of the episode and commented that yeah this is exactly what I said was going to happen so in a way that was a lovely seal of approval and like shows just how spot on you are that I've literally I literally went through what you said was going to happen yeah I mean The cosmic
1: energy, this is interesting what you said, because the cosmic energy of May, and I'm not going to go too much into detail because at the time of recording, it's pretty much the end of the month, but it's still going really strong. May 2022 felt pretty heavy Mm -hmm. and I won't lie, but it is certainly such a turning point month for all of us. There were so many energetic influences swirling through the universe and we know we may have felt like we had to take that extra step to manage our energy levels and to keep ourselves in a state of balance. There's a sense, something that's been coming through, there's a sense of feeling transformations coming in, Mm -hmm. but also that feeling of wariness and a bit of resistance and ultimately the ending and closing of chapters in our lives Which, of course, for all of us would have come with different varying degrees of difficulty. Yeah. So we have now entered Gemini season, the sign represented by the twins. And with this, we're moving a lot more. You're going to like this kind of analogy, but we're moving a lot more from the uh, lower chakras up to the higher chakras. So Gemini is ruled by Mercury, Mm. and it's all about the brain, the, the mind, the weapon of the mind. So like I said, it's the sign represented by the twins and that would be the lover's card in the tarot, which is also an interesting thing that's to mention. Interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that really, for me, I can really understand by you saying the tarot cards what the energy yeah. is. So that's really useful, thank you.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good analogy and it, mm-hmm. I think it makes so much sense because everyone loves to say Gemini are usually the smartest cookies in the room or at least the loudest about what they know. Uh, but they have this naturally outgoing nature they have this zest and curiosity for life's experiences but Gemini symbolized by the twins um, or you know the lovers as we see them in the tarot they're often described as two different personalities and really the the tone of the season and this energy that we're all going to be privy to up until june 20th is balance 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 this idea that, light cannot exist without darkness Mm -hmm. because the highest expression of feminine comes forward when for example we can balance the the two sides of feminine masculine like I said light darkness but also balancing the two personalities and getting them to synergize and work together rather than making one work over time which is a little bit of the shadow side of Gemini's you know letting one show a little bit more than the other and it's not unlike the lovers who are two different individuals but can come can become something greater than themselves through love and cooperation and this is going to be so crucial in everything else that I'm going to touch on for Gemini season the lover's card so back to the tarot analogy also suggests that it's a balance the balance is something that Gemini, the Gemini person needs to achieve consciously and even through the trial of new and established bonds. So it's not always, you know, like I said, we think Gemini are these outgoing individuals that they just have, like I said, this love for life and for experiences and this natural curiosity, but it doesn't come without the trials of having to balance that energy. So like I said, we're moving into the higher chakras, but also balancing grounding is so important during Gemini season. So I wanted to backtrack here a little bit and ask you how, how you've been feeling in this transition, but you talked about how you felt about the eclipses. So we had the end of April, April 20th. Um, which was followed by the blood moon uh, lunar eclipse earlier this month, which I thought was quite interesting. The energy of which is actually still wearing off to some degree. Okay, That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Is that what you've been kind of feeling as well? Like new energies coming in as well as something more familiar that's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of like, I can feel a lot of newness coming in but busy new newness, like a lot of change, but there's still a familiarity of something that's been around a bit longer. So maybe that's that energy potentially.
1: Yeah. 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 A hundred percent eclipses. I like to say they're if you remember from our first conversation, they're like a catapult, uh, into the soul contract, the soul evolution, they trigger our wounds, uh, for the purpose of healing. so it brings a lot to the surface so that's why probably it doesn't feel as new. And I mm-hmm. get asked quite a lot or have been asked recently quite a lot, you know what about manifestation intention setting during eclipse season? what about charging crystals, which is your area of expertise. But I would say it's kind of a lower energy phase so it wouldn't be your typical full moon or new moon just because there's a lot that's coming exactly, you know, resurfacing. Uh, And it brings about situations that tend to feel like you're looking to the past, but that definitely feel cathartic in a way for the purpose, again, of healing. And there's a lot of energy unfolding. We've got um, Jupiter moved just after this blood moon uh, eclipse, moved into Aries for the first time in 12 years. This happened on May 10th. And it will stay until October. So later into the year, one to revisit as well. Mm.
0: (laughs) Uh,
1: There's a lot of energy. So Jupiter in Aries, it brings this fresh new energy. Now, you know, that clearing that really has happened. I think we'll see this later as we go through the months and the, the various transits. But if I remember correctly, when we first recorded the beginning of the year. So starting from January 2022, we said this was a year and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we
0: said this was a year for karmic lessons. Yes, you did. sounded very interesting and giant question mark about what that means. Karmic lessons and the burden of healing. And as I
1: was sort of looking at, you know, preparing for this episode, everything I looked at it kind of came full circle into that same idea. It was really, you know, we like to look at this cyclical nature of things, you know, transits, the, the moon phases, all of this, and how that potentially could influence us in our in our work, in our soul evolution. But it comes back around to this idea of things will keep coming up until they are ready to be healed, until you are ready to release. And this year emphasizes this 110%. <laughs> So it's definitely something that a bit of a theme as well, an underlying theme to all of this. And it's so back to um, uh, back to Jupiter and Aries, this highly innovative energy. So here we're talking about new beginnings. And the reason I paused to explain where we started Was because when I say new beginnings, I've got people coming to me and saying, well, it doesn't quite feel like that. You know, it feels like something new is coming, but I'm still tied to these old things. And what are those things? They're energetic ties. And we have plenty of opportunities between now and we're going to be talking up until July, August ish to revisit, to go through them again, to experience that pain, to sit with it, to feel it and to release it, because there is so much that is coming through that we are all integrally a part of that we need to participate in. I'll get into that. That's one of my favorite parts. I kept it for the end. (laughs) Uh, But everyone needs to do that work for themselves. And of course, it's a journey. And of course, it will take people different times, different routes to get there. So May... Like I said, May 10th to October 28th, we've got uh, Aries. So Jupiter in Aries and then in Pisces, December uh, and then December to May next year, it will go back in Aries. Jupiter will go back into Aries. Last time uh, this was last time this happened in this way was around September 2010 and then again. From January to June 2011. So, looking back at that time in your life, where were you invited to step into your power more? This is very much the Jupiter energy with the forward drive of Aries. Looking
0: back at that, where were you in your life? Yeah, where did you. <laughs> that's so interesting. I was literally setting up a business, my first business. Oh, <laughs> hot on very it's about to get a lot more interesting actually um (laughs) and i want your input
1: on this but yeah so looking back at that time where were you invited to step into your power to become more independent and how did you gain confidence as a result of that those things that i think a lot of people could potentially work with those questions Mm -hmm. jupiter and aries gives us i i said it that forward momentum and pursuing our dreams or making those difficult decisions and almost like adulting, you know, facing the music, like a lot of people that this has come up for have had a career change um, around that same time. It's this strong-willed energy that is also very opinionated, but in a way that it has the tools in the box that can underpin this opinion and this decision and give you that confidence to move forward. And in the process of gaining confidence from those valuable lessons, it's a lot about remaining mindful of not getting in over your head and also keeping the ego in check, which is another Jupiter and Aries uh, type of thing that tends to come up. So on a collective level, it's definitely been supporting this entrepreneurial movement and It's amazing that you said that that's pretty much when you started looking at this yourself and exploring it and people wanting to do things their own way, being their own boss. And this is crazy, but I had a note here that said, I know for Gemma, this has been a calling.
0: (laughs) Why did I write that? I don't know. Love it. (laughs) You knew. Uh, That's funny. Um,
1: So if you are... Turning 24, 36, 48, 60, and beyond any multiple of 12 between May this year and the next, so May 2023, chances are you would also be experiencing your Jupiter return. And we talked extensively about the Saturn return in our first ever episode, which rightfully receives a lot of attention. But the Jupiter return, which happens every 12 years, is almost just as significant in the way that it allows us to step into that particularly prosperous time of our life by breaking down old structures, beliefs, limitations. So May this year gave us a first taste of breaking up with the old in order to initiate the new integrating the lessons learned in the process. And similarly Jupiter, which is a bigger picture planet, needs to clear what's in the way in order to bring that positive growth. So whatever themes have unfolded over the past 12 years for you. so even if it's not your birthday, it's an opportunity to look back at that and and consider even if you're not turning a multiple of 12 uh, is what I meant to say. So over the last 12 years, uh, what has unfolded? And what has come to an end and what has been cleansed and purified for good in any one area of your life. The astrological sign that Jupiter falls in your chart, as well as any other corresponding aspects to Jupiter, will give you a flavor and indicate pretty much the lesson that Jupiter is sent to teach you and some of the themes that you could be experiencing during your Jupiter return. So, if anyone's having a Jupiter return, I urge you to share, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, share it on Instagram and definitely tag us and tell us what your experience has been. Yeah, definitely. It's it's really crazy how astrology works. I know you asked me this last time, but just as astrology is something that, you know, you look at your chart and you could have it have your chart read by someone. And I do this and I do it for other people. And yet there are times when I'll still look at my chart you know, years down the line and find something that I wouldn't have noticed or that has been a blind spot or something that, oh, now it makes sense. You know, that aha moment. Like I said, this idea of like coming full circle. So for example, with the Jupiter return, I have Jupiter and Scorpio in my seventh house. And it's the house where we seek to fulfill ourselves through others. It's the house of life partnership, of long-term partnership, uh, romantic and other, married life, foreign journey and immigration, business partnerships, et cetera. And it shows also your public relationship. So, And during my first Jupiter return, I moved from the U.S. back to England. I started a new job in a completely different industry. I entered a different relationship after a huge letdown and heartbreak, which brought huge learning and growth and emotional healing and yeah so this the overall tone that was that professional challenge moving country meeting a romantic match and so on and so forth so just to give you an example as to how you can look at these things in your chart and it might not make sense now but that's the cyclical nature of of these transits that we're talking about so
0: wow yeah everything for you changed exactly pretty much exactly yeah wow
1: and I never I always knew, obviously, that I had Jupiter in my seventh house and I I kind of always overlooked the seventh house. And I think it was because at the time when I was particularly getting deeper into astrology, I was at a time in my life when I was really closed off and afraid of opening my heart. And. This has now made so much sense to me. Looking back at it, thinking, "Oh, yeah, it was always meant to be." You know, Jupiter return was happening in my seventh house. I moved country, and everything pivoted. So, um, yeah, that was a that was an interesting
0: realization. But can uh, I ask a question? Absolutely. Um, so that is so fundamental and crucial. And I, I'm the same as you. Like I do not know astrology at all compared to you, but everything for me is in hindsight, looking back and going, oh yeah, joining the dots after mm-hmm. it's happened. So for everybody listening, just to like home in on that point, is the, the sign for them to know that this is a potential that's starting, like you said, is that the, the numbers, the 12 increments of ages? Is that how, if they're in one of those ages right now, this is a potential energy that is probably coming through for them or is there something else maybe they could see in their charts that would yeah. help? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So for anyone, so between May now and May next year, anyone who is indeed uh, having a birthday where they are turning an increment of 12 or a multiple of 12, that would be something to look at. So look at the house where Jupiter falls in your in your chart, look at the potential aspects. But just looking at the the house and where Jupiter is in a position, what sign it's on, it's what sign it's in would give you a flavor as to that twelve year reset and what the
0: theme will be for the next twelve years. And they're looking at their birth chart or the chart for that particular year.
1: So I would start with the birth chart. Yeah. It's, it's enough to, 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 to basically initiate um, and just get an idea for yourself. So if you know, say that this year you're turning 48 or you're turning, I don't know, 48 in June, let's say you would go look at your chart, look at your birth chart, see where Jupiter is. And like I gave the example, maybe it's in, also in your seventh house in Scorpio, it might give you a sense as to either the completion or, you know, a bit, like you said, the hindsight, the completion of the previous 12 years. So what's now coming by the time you're having your solar return as well. And also the flavor of perhaps where it's headed next. And of course, then as a progression, you could go and, you know, do your, your char astro is pretty good for this um where you do your birth chart and then the transits and then you can look at you know in the future set a date for your next birthday or the next birthday in 12 years <laughs> wow. and then see where that would uh, where that would affect and how they kind of affect each other and so on so that's an interesting one to look uh, at
0: yeah thank you and I think it's nice for people but if there's a breakdown of stuff going on and a giant, a massive change, it just feels that the moment they're in it is the breakdown and things aren't going potentially well. It feels like that, but it's nice for them to be able to say, don't worry, there's a bigger thing going on. And it's just a cycle and there is an end. And also it's kind of written, written in the stars. It's going to be okay long-term. 100%, 100%. Where is Jupiter for you, Gino? Which, which sign? I think it's in Scorpio. Okay, you're Scorpio.
1: So, I mean, for anyone with natal Jupiter in a water sign, so that would be Cancer, Scorpio, Pisces, the kind of theme, I guess, that you could be feeling throughout the year with the Jupiter influences is a focus on imagination, you know, how you're using your imagination and thinking outside the box, creativity, heightened, super heightened intuition, and all of that potentially as a path to really deep emotional healing, which I think is probably what you're feeling. You shared this also last time.
0: Yeah. That (laughs) that processing. (laughs) Yeah 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 that's spot on and there is a lot of like you said exploring creative I'm setting up um, I'll tell you more about it at some point but I'm setting up a community at the moment and trying to get my head around the technology Mm -hmm. it's lovely but in itself it's creative trying to understand how you bring the bits in and so that long term it works and grows correctly yeah so um, even in that yeah definitely
1: There's a bit of a balance in this because uh, with Jupiter, like I said, moving between Aries and Pisces, Jupiter in the fire sign. So I just talked about the water signs, but in a fire sign like Aries, Leo, Sagittarius, anytime Jupiter is here, it's really pushing forward that expansion and really crucially, fundamentally bringing new ideas into the world so that there's that balance between you know the the creativity the intuition and imagination but actually how do you translate that into a tangible offering out
0: know, into the world does that, that make sense it completely resonates yes it <laughs> definitely does thank you i love astrology <laughs> uh, so
1: we are amidst a, a mercury retrograde and we touched on retrogrades briefly last time this occurs from so it started on the 10th of may and it is until last until the 3rd of june in gemini and it will finish in taurus so mercury will be in taurus by the time the retrograde is over so effectively what does this mean gemini's ruling planet mercury is in retrograde and we are in gemini season so oh wow like i touched on the fact that gemini is very cerebral and it's an this kind of initiation to move from the lower to the higher chakras, you know, the mind, but at the same time, there's a slow up. So we may actually have felt a little bit mentally foggy. I know plenty of really Gemini dominant people whose charts I've looked at, who have said, I just, you know, a bit, like I said to you in the beginning, like think it's just too much like burnout uh, level almost in the brain. And feeling a little confused and that sense of stalling with Gemini energy, especially a sense of like not being able to define quite where you need to put your attention and just ending at the end of the day on your couch. Like I'm just exhausted. I can't do anything anymore. Mm -hmm. So moving into the present moment, that's why I said grounding is so crucial, can be hard to do during this, this time. And that sort of fear of change to our ways of thinking and experiencing newness and that reluctance and resistance is a little bit here. But retrogrades, you remember I said retrogrades are not scary. Mm -hmm. And they're actually great. And for a lot of people who have retrogrades in their natal charts so planets that were retrograde at the time of birth this can actually be a really beneficial thing or a really strong energy to to work with retrogrades are a time when the universe gives us the chance to pause to check in and to add you know the revisit redo review plans ideas that's a good way
0: of remembering (laughs) it i like that good one Yeah, I don't don't know how to like explain it when I was speaking like the retrograde, the room.
1: No, it works. I think people remember that. Yeah, so it's really that redoing, revisiting, rethinking ideas more thoroughly. And because of this lingering eclipse, season energy. It's a great way to also explore our blind spots. And I think at the moment, rather than getting fixated on the unknown, And the details that you haven't yet figured out is about being flexible with how we process information. You know, how do we compartmentalize, even if it's just getting increments in your day, dedicating time to just doing something and then moving on to something else. Um, So yesterday from the day of recording, sorry, no, May 24th. So two days ago, Mars entered Aries and we now have Jupiter, Venus and Mars all in Aries. Mars and Venus have been enjoying this quite fiery romance. You might have seen, I shared a few things on Instagram about that. They're a bit like the, again, this polarity of male, female energy. And it translates into this, just this resounding, you know, scream for new beginnings, embracing change. So Venus and Mars, the feminine, masculine, again, that balancing of energies when we are too masculine. So Mars driven. And especially with this in the backdrop of Gemini season, we can be, you know, acting before thinking. We can be not looking before leaping and just making decisions on an impulse, on an impulse rather than, you know, like I said, pausing and taking a step back. But then also on the flip side, if we're too feminine, so too Venus driven, we can be kind of a little bit passive almost. So, putting yourself in a state of pity, like a bit of victim mentality, when we are too driven by emotion and we may find it extra hard to take that direct, decisive action. But it's again about bringing this balance in. I told you it was going to be balance is a key theme here. By becoming aware of where we are experiencing the imbalance, we can bring ourselves back into harmony with the Venus-Mars meetups. And this has been happening for quite some time now. I think it's, for me at least, it feels like a very underlying energy um, to the majority of 2022. But when Venus and Mars come together, ultimately we experience also the rebirth of these energies, this new awakening of both the feminine and the masculine principles within us. And I would be lying if I said that I haven't seen so much on the topic in the news and people sharing content and the things that are being shared and just what's being produced I feel like it's everything is revolving around this you know how do we place the feminine and masculine you remember we talked about how masculine driven we had been for a really long time as a society yeah yeah this was our very very first episode so not for 2022 but before even I remember yeah definitely and it now feels like this feminine energy that, and this has nothing to do with gender. Again, I reiterate, not to do with gender, uh, but just the divine feminine and masculine. And now the feminine trying to push through and supported by all these transits. And it's really struggling, you know, but it's it's again that clash so that we can balance and harmonize. And it also has to do with relationships. I know people love to hear about relationships. Sometimes I forget (laughs) that Venus Venus and Mars is super, super important for relationships because again, the feminine masculine energies and how we balance those. And it's not just again, to do with gender, whether, you know, it's a man and a woman, it doesn't matter, but it's those energies within us, how we embody them. Mm -hmm. So we, Can expect to feel that deep pull to focus on, well, existing relationships or building new ones. And especially with that Gemini, you know, social butterfly energy, wanting to put yourself out there, maybe not quite yet, maybe you haven't done it yet because you've been, you know, feeling that resistance on the flip side. But it's really been about reading yourself from energetic attachments, shedding that. And realizing what's been holding you back and consistently through the Venus-Mars conjunctions and various transits where they have been involved this year so far, it's been about balancing of power into existing relationships, into new relationships, realizing what's been, I mean, that's just something that's come up consistently, consistently. And with Gemini energy, And this cluster of planets in Aries, we can, like I said, you know, I said the upper chakras, maybe that didn't sound quite right, but it's tending to be a lot in your head. I mean, it does, yeah. Yeah. So in in the tarot, while Gemini is the lover's card, uh, the Gemini energy is also represented by the suit of swords. So Mm -hmm. the weapons of the mind where there is a balance to be struck between our human limitations, so our physical vessel and body, and our spiritual side. And under the Gemini sun, there's that greater care that needs to be exercised in, in that is needed of the physical body through movement, through practices that transcend the mind. One great thing that someone has shared with me who has this Gemini dominant chart and is really, really feeling this at the moment is, you know, get outside. <laughs> it's as simple as that, because we tend to get so, and I think this is a word I stole from you, cerebral, and just, you know, being in your, in your brain and thinking, sitting in front of a computer, thinking I've got to do so many hundreds of thousands of tasks, which is, of course, possible. And of course, our imagination allows us to do it, but our physical limitation, unfortunately, Says you can only do so much. So instead of being in your head, just get out there, movement, thought, you know, practices that really help you transcend and exit the mind. So that's one great advice. But uh, May, so we're getting to the end of this month, uh, May 30th, the Gemini new moon, which is closing off this busy month. There's a lot of fresh energy emerging. We're back to this release of attachments. This is the first, it's, it's really important because it actually brings closure in the sense that it closes the eclipse portal that we've been working with since April. And it brings that realization of the transformations that have occurred within and around us, uh, perhaps an initiation into balance and acceptance of how the psyche and the body work together. So breakthroughs also. watch the space, mind body connection. <laughs> um, and this is a really gentle new moon. It's a, a very important one. Like I said, the first after a series of eclipses is that fresh energy, renewed perspective. Remember, the universe is still cautioning us to take the time needed to consider your next step, to evaluate your options and not to rush ahead. And just bring that awareness in the present and all that you've gained, you know, as a lesson emotionally and spiritually, whatever's come up. And I know a lot of people have been doing shadow work during eclipse season and a lot of that shadow actually naturally coming up. So process, reflect are the names of the game under this new, soft, quiet new moon. And it's a timely pause because June brings a few alignments with really strong energetic charge. We begin the month with Mercury turning direct in Taurus, clearing some of that mental fog, luckily, lifting a little bit, lighting up the way forward. And a day later, Saturn, the cosmic teacher, enters its retrograde until October.
0: <laughs> classic. So like almost, but no. You're <laughs> going to get some classic. Energies. Classic Saturn. Um, it's the planet of lessons, of challenges,
1: Wisdom acquired through these, and so this goes back to if you remember what I was saying in the beginning the cyclical nature of the healing that's taking place this year it's it will emerge and re emerge, and it will feel with different degrees of intensity until it is healed. And of course, we're never fully healed and we're never fully finished, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why we're here in the first yeah. place. Um, but it Saturn is great for that. So it's that wisdom acquired through the lessons, it tends it tends to invite us to revisit our or face difficult quote unquote adult things so we can emerge with the wisdom and follow our destiny in the way that we're meant to. So if you're having your Saturn return during a retrograde phase, it can be actually especially extra good for learn for leaning into some of those themes of your Saturn return and really having, I guess, that the time, it's almost, you know, again, you have to check whether Saturn was perhaps retrograde at the time of your birth. Um, so that would be if you're turning 20, it really depends on people, but 28, 29, 30, sometimes this year, chances are you might be experiencing your Saturn return. And if it's during the retrograde phase, I think it's actually a great Saturn return to have, because <laughs> although we feel the whip of Saturn much earlier than the exact date that is supposed to be your Saturn return it's a really good time to kind of like look back and think wow this is all this this is what Saturn meant when he did that awful thing <laughs> um, and it just it just kind of puts things into perspective so by the time the Sagittarius super full moon rolls around which is on June 14th 15th uh, depending where you are we will be pretty much coming face-to-face with those deeper, higher truths that are revealed by Saturn. It's a time to celebrate all that's been, and it's a few days away from the solstice, all that is, you know, with a lot more kind of outward-focused energy. And the super full moon means the moon is closer to Earth, so its light, in a way, provides more clarity, It's an illumination that allows us to see things in a new way. And as Gemini is coming to a close on June 20th, we will be experiencing the solstice, Mm -hmm. a powerful, powerful turning point, perhaps perhaps in ancient times considered the most powerful day of the year, um, which is why a lot of things like Stonehenge and pyramids and things like that were built facing I don't know.
0: I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not yeah, doing no, this justice. I'm with you. <laughs> Facing or prepared. They, they show that point, don't they? All of those. Exactly. So does that mean if we've got that super full moon and the solstice, so the sun energy, the, the lightest day with this, that sounds very powerful. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. It's, it's a really potent one. I think it, in a
1: good way, you know, I said that outward focused energy, But solstice, of course, of course, being the the powerful turning point that it is in the year, which brings that welcome shift in energies and also leading up to the solstice, uh, the sun, uh, the stars that the sun will touch as it moves between the zodiac Mm -hmm. of Gemini and Cancer holds a lot of significance. Um, They are said to actually thin the veil, to heighten that intuition, to increase our sensitivity, So it's really in preparation of something greater that is to come. So hence why I say that it's a time of celebration, really take the time as much as we're taking the time now during the the upcoming new moon to relax and really lay low and take stock. This is a heightened energy. Um, So really flying (laughs) is how I can best describe it.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So if someone's, really got a question and they're looking for the answer is that the time to have the intention that the answer is going to come to them it tends to be uh it really yeah that's a that's a good question it
1: tends to be I think Mm. it tends to clarify situations because it is either the longest or the shortest day of the year depending which hemisphere you're in and it's again, that balance that actually the perfect balance struck between lightness and darkness and you're sitting in the middle and this, that transformational quality that it brings with itself. It allows us to access those higher dim- dimensions of the mind. And there's, I tend to find that it always brings lightness of being really that phrase. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes it easier to connect to the healing energies of the planet. It's really about connecting to the planet and everything feels clearer. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ooh. it's really that age-old, you know, tale of duality, the light and dark and the harmony created it really when, sounds like that. Especially yeah.
0: when you say, of course, the two different hemispheres experiencing the opposite. It feels like it's a time of duality. Duality, that's the right word, isn't
1: it? Yeah. You just yeah, said yeah, it. No exactly yeah we tend to forget because Mm -hmm. you know we live in 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 the northern hemisphere but um when it's really the harmony uh, created when we shine our light even in the darkest times that things work in interconnectedness in supreme interconnectedness between each other but also on a planetary level also in our connection to earth the role we play in nature i mean nature is just works like clockwork doesn't it so yeah um so this solstice particularly will be best felt when you connect to nature expand your mind and really visualize I think a lot of visualization work you know open your horizons wherever you are if you can be out in nature you know notice how you feel that's going to be really potent very interesting thank you Han yeah. We'll revisit that one. Let me know. We might, we might be, yeah. If we, if we get to do a live event by then,
0: maybe yes, that could be good something idea. that comes
1: up. Yeah. So just a week later, we have the Cancer New Moon, which falls very close to Black Moon Lilith. A reference here back to the key theme of 2022 of healing the divine feminine slash masculine. I don't remember if we've talked about the Black Moon. Lilith or BML for short
0: please do I I don't know if I've told you that I got a kitten at the end of last year and she's she's Lily or Lilith that's her name
1: so on many
0: levels I'm very interested right now (laughs) so yes please oh I love talking about Lilith um it's very highly active at the
1: time of this new moon and it's energy oh I could go on about this it's this raw feminine energy that reminds us to stand in our power and to recognize the full potential of our being, but also it calls upon integrating the dark feminine energy. So here I think in the run up to this um, and even the, the months that have passed just now, it's bringing up on a collective level, these themes of, you know, integrating the dark feminine in the sense of saying no boundaries Reasserting our power and being truly upon unapologetically yourself—it's really a high power time for manifestation. I always get asked about manifestations, etc., around these times, and I want to remind your listeners of the importance of—I think I said it a little bit earlier—but of repetition to realize manifestation because intention setting is great, but the act of repeating and honoring with action is what is you truly tapping into the energy and what that means. So back to Lilith. um, Lilith represents the void and the darkness that falls before change or transformation occurs in our lives, even though the dark void, and this is, you know, coincidentally, we just talked about the darkness and lightness represented by the solstice and this equalization but even though the dark void can feel intimidating, this energy actually gives us the confidence we need to stand in our power, to not be afraid to touch the darkness and to remember that the light will return. And I think the new moon, like in the run up to new moons, this is quite funny because I've only recently been having these conversations with people and people think that Full moons are scary in a sense, you know, like we've always been taught in media like the werewolves come out and then yes. this lightness and stuff. But actually, I find that new moons are a lot more intense, definitely, and it definitely has been this way for the past uh well decade, but the past few years specifically, when people have paid attention to this a little bit more. But because at the new moon, the sky is dark and empty, mm. it's actually about a lot of new energy coming through which is not easy you know the integration so with the black moon uh very active on the new moon it brings also issues around gender equality to the surface let's keep this in mind because by the end of the month the sun will actually be conjunct lilith so we'll revisit and Lilith, in case people don't know, maybe we'll just touch on it a little bit, marks the furthest point of the moon's orbit uh, in the sky. And so it's not a celestial body, but it's a point quite like the ascendant descendant, the lunar nodes, etc. And based on her depiction mythology, uh, which mostly originates from Hebrew mythology, she embodies a divine feminine power. She unveils the shadow side of the subconscious. And it shows, shows she shows us a glimpse of who we are and what we long for before society told us who to be. So super, super powerful. I love working with the energy. Um, And by analyzing where it falls in your chart, you can find out a lot about your feminine wound. So the wound Mm -hmm. related to the divine feminine energies and that embodiment and expression of energies and give you awareness in areas of our lives that bring challenges and difficulties so that you can heal.
0: And how would people identify that in their charts? So typically
1: I'm trying to visualize now if you use just any software. So I mentioned AstroSeq, that's a good one. I think when you're just putting in all your information to get your natal chart pulled Mm up, uh, it will ask you if you want the full chart with all the associated asteroids and so on. Uh, And you can tick that. I don't remember now if it's a box that you're supposed to tick. Uh, But typically, even most apps on your phone, uh, like astrology apps, even the simple ones will show you uh, Black Moon Lilith
0: and where it falls in your chart. That sounds so interesting. Guess what I'm doing later?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You've got to let me know. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's that's one way to find out for me. Uh my black moon Lilith is in the first house, um, very close to my ascendant, actually. And it's an Aries, and it's quite a strong position, even though uh this house is empty for me. It's quite a strong strong position of Lilith in the first house because well, I mean, I'm not gonna get into it, but (laughs) um, it's about perception. So Lilith is about the wound but your first house is about who you are. So your yeah. core identity. So that that's a really interesting one. Sometimes um, I've seen instances where black moon Lilith, which also relates to some degree to the maternal energy as well will fall in houses of people related to the maternal expression. If that makes sense, the mother, the father, the parents, Yeah, it can also represent the father and in, in various instances, it will be like a very, very strong thing, like a dominant theme of this person's chart, where Black Moon Lilith is obviously not a planet. It's a point um, that's mathematically calculated, but it's a very strong influence uh, for, for that person and how they embody this energy. So it is really interesting. I, I urge
0: you to yeah. check it thank, out. <laughs> thank you for sharing that, because it's not something we hear about a lot, is it? But it sounds quite quite a powerful it, thing to learn about yeah it's it's quite
1: it's quite relevant um mm. I think I did a series uh, on Instagram some time ago where I basically talked about it was like an open Q&A and people told me where their lilith is and we talked about what it means on the surface level uh, for the various houses and different expressions so that might be on my profile I'm not sure but people can go and
0: um, we we'll go see. and have a look brilliant thank you
1: so uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Almost just after this, uh, the new moon Neptune enters retrograde. So at this point, we will have Pluto, Saturn, and Neptune in retrograde. Wow! And <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, it gets more int- it gets more complicated. <laughs> <It> gets <less>. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting to kind of make meaning. Um, it can be a time of like, enabling epiphanies. Uh, Regarding a situation, so I think you asked me if uh, the solstice brings clarity to someone who perhaps has been torn on something um, or wondering which direction to take. I think here, even though these planets are in retrograde, it can there can be aha moments enabled um, between between the solstice in this moment. So Neptune and Pluto, and also Uranus, which will enter retrograde in August. Um, so watch the space? We'll talk about this. Uh, They are generational planets. So unless they are in the most personal part of your chart, which is the bottom left quadrant. um, Mm -hmm. So if you imagine the clock divided by four bottom left, you may not feel or recognize their energy instantly, but they most certainly stir change in the collective. Uh, Most, uh, since they are generational planets, uh, most millennials, for instance, will have Neptune and Uranus uh, in the same um, in the same position or conjunct. Uh, so remember always that planet planets are obviously modified by signs, and they express, you know, where they express are the houses, and how they express are the aspects. So it this is just a, a little nod to uh, Neptune and Uranus, who are uh, the generational planets. But forward into July cancer season now in full swing. Mercury enters cancer also on July 5th. So the very beginning of the month and the theme of working to reconcile the feminine and masculine energies still figures very strong. We've got three planets in retrograde. Still the key word of this transit is intuition, gentle communication Cancer energy tends to draw us inwards. So to tend to that emotional body, you know, nurturing ourselves. And then July 13th, we've got the full moon in Capricorn. This one is kind of more related to ambition. Uh, we've had plenty of, well, quite the, the mouthful of Capricorn uh, taste from the beginning of the year, uh, since we last did the episode. And it's that ambition, that determination—you know—succeeding here in in the material world with all the tangible assets around us. So, since Mercury was in Cancer and Mars in Aries, we have certainly been more inclined to consider, well, our long term goals and explore the areas in which we'd like to succeed. But there is again a balance of play here. So, tending to the inner world as much as our outer world and others around us. And also super important at this time to honor the body as well as the mind ahead of this Mercury-Sun conjunction. Mercury is very active, I must say. Mercury and Sun conjunction, which sharpens the mind for those important conversations that we need to have. If you felt hesitant about the future, about a relationship, about a move, there's certainly a shift mentally that may feel like it's removing that resistance, those blockages that I was talking about earlier on uh, from um, sort of latter end of May and June uh, and blockages to stabilize us in our decision-making. So a lot of emotional manifestation during the month of July. Also, uh, Venus will join this Cancerian sun spell. Uh, This will influence Everyone in the zodiac. So, all zodiac signs. And of course, where Venus is in your chart can point to not only your love language, but the emotional manifestation you may feel during this transit. So, I'm looking at 20th of July, uh, which is a bit of a word of caution when the sun will oppose our retrograde Pluto. This is a, a bit of a minor life crisis, but globally, I think this is more interesting because. Already the movement of three retrograde planets and Pluto through the zodiac sign symbolizes tense moments. Lilith in, is again active in our skies, forming wow. the sextile to Mars. So news, revelations, breakthroughs, in my opinion, regarding cases involving women, women's really? rights. Um, there's also, and this came when I was looking at basically when I was looking at this for the episode specifically, but heightened. It really suggests this Lilith has a very strong um feminine charge, but the dark feminine also the sexual expression, so how we express ourselves intimately um and our own sexuality, so how we view ourselves. So, and it's about escaping in this particular square, in this particular sorry, not square, in this particular formation, escaping social nonconformity. Coincidentally, July is Pride Month. So wow. That's quite interesting, I thought. Yeah, 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 that is, isn't it? (laughs) It's really supporting that energy of, well, not just, you know, I said cases involving women and women's rights, but it's again, you know, the underlaying, the lingering effect of balancing those energies Mm -hmm. and expression, I think, with the work that Mercury has been doing from the time of recording up until that point in the future, it's really about learning to assimilate information in a more optimal way and also how we convey information and how we represent ourselves through the medium the various mediums of communication so planet of communication mercury will enter leo uh on july 19th so that's a day before uh, what I just talked about. Um, but it's very active in July. Like I said, Mercury is very active with the cancer to Leo energy transfer and the sun also moving into the sign of Leo on July 22nd. We get that assertiveness, you know, the, the Leo energy, uh, more, we're more motivated. We're, you know, putting ourselves out there. We're seeking opportunities to, to self-express, um, that self-expression really coming to the surface Leo, being ruled by the sun, also radiates that strength, that same warmth, uh, that generosity uh, towards all and everyone. It has a lot to teach us and to teach each sign on building more self-confidence, on connecting to your inner child. And this is not particularly related to Leo um, in the tarot, but I'm thinking very much here, the sun card um, in, in tarot. Not shrinking back, you know really? like sitting on on that horse and advancing forward, connecting to those to all that is innocent and and nice mm-hmm. and not shrinking back from the fire. So the new moon in Leo, which takes place on the 28th when Mercury will be squaring the north node and Taurus and Uranus is a major and almost always major ego check for Leo which is the shadow side of Leo, is the the ego, the overexpansion, actually. So uh, a day earlier, I'm going to backtrack here. <laughs> a day earlier on July 27th, Venus will be conjunct uh, Black Moon Lilith, uh, which, remember, I said, <laughs> we'll talk about this. And I said, you know, uh, pretty plenty of opportunities to revise and revisit relationships in our lives this year we have had those opportunities up until now and you may want to now you know you may see yourself kind of entering that phase of changing relationship dynamics and you may feel as though they have been stagnant for some time and this is not just this is all types of partnerships anything involving partnership not just romantic relationships but it's you know, like I said, not shrinking back. We've got that support from the Leo energy, of feeling no shame in wanting to speak up and wanting to, you know, experiment. If it's in a relationship, to take a different course of action. If it's in a partnership that involves business decisions, and to redefine what it means to, you know, roar to have to express our voice. Um, that's what Leo always comes to to solidify in us is the breaking of convention being here a strong theme is the you know who am I in this dialogue in this discourse and if you've been holding back on expressing who you are on a fundamental level due to expectation due to societal expectation this transit is a transit that will absolutely set you free it brings that freedom The nature of this aspect asks you to be true to your values, to your relationships. And Lilith teaches us to exercise sovereignty, I think is, is the right word, in and outside relationships. And Venus understands that harmony and values are the stepping stones to
0: fruitful relationships, So you get the gist. They're all working together. Wow. (laughs) So does that also mean then for people who really struggle to voice their opinion or to even kind of, you know, like you've kind of described there's something going on and they, they need to step, they need to say something to someone, but it's maybe not in their nature or they may not even feel safe enough to do so. Is part of the Leo season, like roughly around July, August, an energy that means those people will get supported in being able to say things that maybe they wouldn't do normally. 100%, I think you put it so
1: well. All the energies I just spoke about, so combining them together mm-hmm. produces this, literally this cosmic cocktail of honoring your boundaries in relationships and um, outside, well, anywhere really in your life without compromising on your values. So I think it's really important and a reminder from Leo is always to when you do your work, and we'll talk about, you know, the Leo new moon that's coming up, is, you know, what? where is my value? And I think earlier in this episode, I talked about 2010 and 2011, some of those transits that made you remember where you stepped into your power Mm -hmm. it's really that kind of work where you sit with yourself and say, you know, this is the relationship I'm evaluating at the moment. Where have I been shrinking back? Why, you know, where have I been dimming my light for others to shine, be it at work or in your family life? I don't know, but without compromising on your values and just being able to speak up because from a place of integrity, to to yourself and truthfulness to yourself, there is no shrinking back. So ultimately, yeah, you're, you're right. This is exactly the the type of experience.
0: Oh, you're so good at putting it all together and then doing the the dialogue of how that will play out. Thank you. It sounds beautiful. Well, i and hope very so. <laughs> very empowering for people. Well, that's that's really the, the the most. I think that's the biggest gift of astrology
1: is mm. the yeah the empowerment and. Being able to actually have that reflective, that mirror, to hold up to yourself and and see those things how they play out, um, so I think that's that's truly beneficial. So under the Leo New Moon, we have again a beautiful amplification of manifestation energy, and I think I said the New Moon is really a time of of darkness um, in the skies, but it's a time when we can go within it's a time when a lot of people choose to journal uh, to make wish lists or intention setting work and things like that programming uh, whatever it is but really that amplification of the manifestation energy under the leo new moon is particularly potent and for it to reveal anything that you need to know about your soul's contract I think that's something that will be coming to the surface, you know, what needs to go in order to fulfill uh, that journey that you're supposed to be on. Equally also shedding what is no longer a match to your frequency. I think it's really that beneficial time to stay with yourself and and have those conversations with yourself before you have them with anyone else. Um, So it's a powerful time to channel messages from your higher self. It's a time when the veil between worlds is thinner or thinning which facilitates channeling, your spirit guides, higher self, you know, whatever it is that you do through meditation practices or falling asleep at night or whichever way, whichever Claire you are, uh, which we've touched on as well before. But ahead of the new moon, there tends to be a lot of scattered energy, Um, like I explained, because the sky is empty and we're kind of in the dark before we begin this new cycle. And there's something fated always about these transits, you know, on a larger scale. I'm keeping an eye on revolutionary planet Uranus um, because we'll fast forward to that. But um, on to August. So at this point, we've got Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus going retrograde, August 24th, Neptune, Pluto, which we'll touch on this in the next episode, focusing on the latter portion of 2022. And Hyron, the, the wounded healer, also in retrograde. The whole month, so <laughs> you're just adding one in every month, yeah. It's <laughs> more and more, just yeah. pick one. <laughs> so it's shake up to wake up, you know. The, the 2022 triple conjunction, uh, of I'm, I'm gonna get into this the, the triple conjunction of Mars, Uranus, the North Node in August, which is quite literally shaking up everyone's life. And amidst this cocktail of retrogrades, we see this slowdown that allows us to understand matters on a deeper level. As a result of the Leo New Moon, perhaps things that you're now, you know, realizing. And I want to touch on the Uranus retrograde because Uranus, and I, I said shake up to wake up, and maybe that sounded a bit, um, you know, intense, like it's shaking up your life. But Uranus is known as the planet of revolution and rebellion. And it brings change uh, on a grand scale because remember Uranus and Neptune are generational planets. So when in Taurus, which is its least favorite sign to be in, it creates change around the foundations that we have built our lives on. So on August 26th, we've got a square between Venus and Leo and Uranus retrograde in uh, Taurus. This will push us to seek Freedom in partnerships that don't allow us to be our truest selves. Remember that was a bit of the theme from before, and that emotional charge has, in fact, been bubbling beneath the surface since well, pretty much June. So back to this idea of what hasn't been faced, or perhaps at this point in time, you have not. Um, how do I put this? You have not, you know, severed those energetic ties. Uh, with somebody with a situation with a position that you're in it's really that bubbling effect beneath the surface that it will come it will come to your attention it will be illuminated in order to be processed so the fixed signs uh which is taurus leo scorpio and aquarius will be feeling this retrograde the most and for them that's making, you know, major transformative changes that will have their worlds shaken up for the better. And there's this idea of radical shift that brings major shakeups, even if they aren't immediately clear to us. Um, While for, I'm going to go through the signs because why not? Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. So the cardinal signs for them, we're exploring the concept of security, particularly in the financial and social spheres of the world, of their worlds. There's a need to, here with all these transits, to go with the flow, to stabilize, and retrograde energy is great for that. So look at those areas of your life where perhaps there's a stability, stability that needs to be, or that balance that needs to be struck um, in the areas, particularly of finance and exerting yourself in a social sphere. Uh, Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces are mutable signs. We're still over here dealing with a change in the way that we process information and open ourselves up to growth. Because remember, there's a lot that we are carrying for emotional healing into 2022. So, August 18th, uh, we've got Venus in Leo, trining Jupiter in Aries. Jupiter still in Aries, Venus trining Jupiter brings optimism. It brings love. Um, you know, Venus being a planet of love and cheer. This is one of the most looked forward transits, look forward to transits. And it's a special interest for those, I would say, that are seeking love, uh, that are trying to really go into that flow of putting themselves out there to, to find love. It does make you seem more attractive. Under this transit, believe it or not, um, so Venus trining Jupiter forming this beautiful alignment, but it also allows you to relax and express that more affectionate and welcoming side of your personality. This is not the only time this is going to happen. It's happening again on the fifteenth of November, so perhaps that's a time frame to maybe keep in mind between um, the o- August eighteenth and fifteenth uh, of November, or if anything is budding now perhaps that's something to to revisit then or in our next episode. And between, yeah, I mean, between July and early August, 2022, Mars, Uranus and the North Node will share the same degree in Taurus. And I hesitated with to talk about this because this opens like a whole different chapter, but this is a really rare triple conjunction that has never quite happened precisely in the same configuration or same way before but the last time uh it happened uh and kind of pretty much Mars Uranus north node perfected these three conjunctions between them at the same degree at the same degree which is 9 18 19 degrees of Taurus was in um and I was interested to kind of go down a rabbit hole reading about this 324 bc when Particularly, I mean, there are many examples that I feel this, but one that really stood out was Alexander the Great laid the foundation of the Hellenistic era. Wow. Uranus, yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uranus uh, joining the North Node and Mars and Taurus would have us kind of mixing the implication of those four energies. So Uranus is unexpected shocks, Mars is explosive force, that moving, that passion to move forward. And the North Node is the almost destabilizing need for expansion. Um, it's our true north, where we're headed, where we're going, where we want to expand. And Taurus, the fixed Earth sign ruled by Venus, is just delight, you know, just mm-hmm. bodily delight here in the material world. And pulling these together, we can expect in our Physical space, whether money, body, or home, to experience shifts, um, unexpected, potentially not quite clear, immediately clear, and an appetite to for more, to achieve more. So, a bit like in those times, the triple conjunction of Mars, Uranus, and the North Node in 2022, it's one of the several astrological markers that indicate we're now entering a new phase of well for him it was an empire you know taken Mm -hmm. by force but we're entering uh, metaphorically the same a destruction of an old way of life and the ushering of another by you know something that has been coined as the great reset and I think you and I touched on this earlier Yes, in the year yeah yeah wow yeah so that real theme that permeates with the majority of these transits is one of and I tried to figure out the best way to summarize it is joining forces to reinvent the world of tomorrow. So we each play a part in this, and we must do our inner work in order to contribute in a greater sense. But it's also of reimagining together, you know, societies, economic shifts, you know, how we transact, education, how we learn back to that communication, which is a really big. Um, theme also for for the months that we covered how we exchange information how we absorb information working conditions how we work um, our output the conditions in which we work and transforming industries ultimately for that great reset which you know could be said and has been coined by the world economic forum as the great reset of capitalism but the great reset and perhaps i think Moving away, you know, obviously from the from the political backdrop, but the reset of a world where there is that balancing of all those elemental, those energies that we've been working with, um, specifically with the feminine masculine connotations that we touched on. So, and I, I'm looking now at my notes from our previous episodes, we said some of the things that we may seem, see fa- manifesting during this time include new spiritual movements, new philosophies, growing interest in spirituality and religion, a fascination with the mysticism, with all that is mystical fantasy, and that driving innovation Mm -hmm. in film and photography and music. There's a fundamental shakeup happening in the entertainment and music industries. And on the flip side, kind of on a more... Relevant note for us, you know, new research and deeper interest in mental health, um, research into substances, into mind altering substances, that greater acceptance ultimately of spiritual and alternative
0: healing modalities. I think you remember we touched on that. Yeah, we did. So it does um, sound yeah. to me, I mean, I'm gonna, and I think you're probably the same. I feel like I'm tipping towards this is us going from the 3d to 5d is us seeing things differently and like you also said the divine masculine and feminine coming back together again but there's also that very different take that it's the economies Mm -hmm. and it's a big not not as positive outcome but I'm gonna stay in the this is us going to 3d to 5d that's what I'm gonna (laughs) focus on
1: yeah. And I mean, yeah, we, I know you and I always do this at the end of the episode where you'll say something and like, just go off on a tangent. But, <laughs> but in, in this, in this movement, I think from 3d to 5d, I think a lot of people still not very clear on it. I mean, mm. I, I don't know, you know, like this is me included, but it it's just that massive shift of energy here on earth and people are Really feeling it on a even if you will you know we talked about the lower and the higher sh- uh, chakras but we're feeling it in our physical body and we're feeling it in our mind and the potential implication and even symptoms that people are getting yes. in this transition is is quite amazing so it's really that I see yeah. it
0: almost as a one of not, um, like, I um, I don't know if I've said to you but I'm, I'm studying ayurveda at the moment oh. to become an Ayurvedic practitioner and in that information they are saying that people are getting more heady ailments because the energies are rising, and they aren't practiced yet in clearing the energy and if you've just said about mercury as well and it's all going to be very heady they are literally seeing that as cases that people are trying to un- like release the energy from their heads and they don't know how to do it um I should do a whole podcast on that how yeah. to release the energies but it's interesting how it comes up even in the western medicine they're like what's going on why are we getting increase of that particular set of elements
1: yeah I think that's that's very relevant and yeah mm-hmm. I love talking about Ayurveda as well so it'd be interesting to hear what okay. you can share oh, but brilliant! okay um yeah it's it's very it's it's a charge you know it carries its own uh, charge that whole shift I think with people that I've seen in in my practice and my work has been exactly those symptoms. It's uh, headaches, dehydration. You know, people mm. say people talk about solar flares. I mean, that's kind of part of it, but just those actual physical symptoms manifesting, and it's bringing into focus that again that theme of healing um, and healing the planet. Actually, actually, more like healing with the planet.
0: Yes. And that's a lovely way
1: of saying it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, a lot of integration and remember a bit, like we said with the new moons, because it's a dark sky and all this energy coming through, it's very similar in this, in this karmic sense where less than integration, you know, in order to achieve this love and healing for all that is abundance and expansion and everyone can tap into it whenever they want there's a lot of work that needs to be done and that's yeah that's uh, that's a work in progress
0: (laughs) beautiful Joanna thank you Um, would it be possible for you because I know I don't want to get this wrong but am I right that you do a lot of this with you look at the charts and it's what your intuition brings through what you see and you intuitively kind of piece together is that right
1: yeah, I mean, I, I like to say that I do um intuitive astrology interpretations, uh, and the reason I say that is because I think with astrology, there's so many different approaches and schools of thought. And traditionally, that is how it was always done is people intuitively understood the language of the stars. But I think throughout history, we reduced it down, made it very cerebral to some degree, um, again, with this term, but brought it down, you know, to to talking about mathematical calculations and, um, I don't know, degrees and being super exact on everything and actually using this for, for predicting purposes and things like that. And I find that the people that I meet or that I cross paths with don't always resonate with that. And so it can yeah. feel like you're entering this space of like, well, where do I start? Um, and courses in astrology are taught both ways. Uh, they're taught, you know, you can get super brainy with it, a bit like a science, or you can actually let those those transits that are known to all, that are available, that are known based on pattern, based on understanding, and see how that impacts everything else. So for me, I find the latter resonates a lot more, and then the way that I talk to you about it today just reaffirms that is that yeah you know I see the transits I can tell you this means this and different celestial bodies mean that but ultimately
0: it's about the story and how it kind of comes collides and comes together I love how you do it because I find if I start to listen to someone tell me about the degrees and everything my brain just goes to I'm not very good at maths what does that mean you know I get stuck on a word more than Listening to the whole story, which is what you're amazing at doing. So, just to sum up, as as you were looking over these particular months, when you, uh, if you can go back to the moment when you were looking, what did your intuition sort of sum up? I'm putting you on the spot. This is not a planned question, <laughs> Blesser, but what did what was the first thing that came to mind for that particular period of time? I think, well, definitely this idea
1: of Uh, eclipses bringing about or allowing us to learn about concealed things about ourselves, bringing that concealed truth out into the open. For me, a huge theme was this theme of communication, how we communicate, uh, you know, specifically now amidst Gemini season and with Mercury super active throughout the various transits that we covered is, you know, are we perhaps communicating or meant to be communicating in a different way. It's reimagining those those systems. Um, almost uh, a very big one was changing change, uh, how we approach well pretty much everything. and I think actually that is where communication will potentially fall into into this is the idea of change, how we interact, uh, how we transact. How we even travel, um, cross borders, how we earn and spend, just the, the change in the system, the reimagined system, uh, big shifts, um, starting, you know, with, I mean, this is again on a on a more global level, like banks and we talked about crypto last time and things like that. Um, a lot of progress being made and to underpin that progress here in the material world, you know, in in the world that we are in right now and potentially also to support the 3d to 5d transition is karmic clearing. And I think Mm -hmm. this has been coming up. So I, I keep using the word karmic, but I think it has such a deep resonance because ultimately it's, what's been coming up for so many people is the people that are here. And now that are alive in this time, have a very, very big role to fulfill. And so in order to do that, it's yes, about clearing about energetic clearing, and also about also facing the shadow. So our shadow, but also the society shadow, Um, you know, how we have been constructed up until this point, the information that we have been fed, what do we make of that? Um, And lastly, how you know, healing patterns. I think that that's been a huge one. And I said pattern so many times that just goes to say, but healing patterns in, in our lineage, that's a huge thing that's been, that's been coming up as well. A lot of people actually turning back to the past to, Mm -hmm. to look at their lineage, to look at, you know, breaking those um, generational spells even. And, so that's on a personal level, you know, in your immediate in your immediate world um, of you, but on the grand scheme of things, on the on the big stage, it's yeah, clearing, sweeping away, and just that, there's so, something remarkable happening. I think in in the way that we're creating this unusual balance on Earth, dismantling structures,
0: bringing changes to the lives of, of billions of people potentially lovely summary thank you so much okay so the classic ending question for i would say every podcast if people want to stay in contact with you and i'm sure they will how are they able to do that so i have got a website i can't remember if i had it last time we did this episode
1: it's the lifetimepodcast.com. Um, On it, I've got a Cosmic blog that is running uh, and that pretty much will cover some of those key things, um, seasonal predictions ahead of time and things like that. You can subscribe to the Cosmic newsletter also via the website, and this will give you a little bit of a preview. I'm trying to launch a subscription. Um, which I know you and I will talk about. Yes, exactly. Um, which uh, is hopefully going to launch in the, well, maybe by the time we record next time. Um, so you can keep up to date with that. And that will kind of provide a little bit of a safe space where I take subscribers on a bit of a soul journey. And we explore not just the things, things like that, that we covered today, um, but actually integrate it on a very case-by-case personal basis Um, so that is it the website otherwise social media um, Instagram I'm pretty active on stories maybe more than more than posts Mm. Uh, but I've I love I love I love I love getting picture uh, well pictures and questions from people uh, that have either listened to the podcast or have heard me on your podcast or just generally have um, questions about astrology, um, on things that I share at any given time. So that's a really good way to,
0: to get in touch and TikTok. So, but all those links its on my to-do list (laughs) still, I think about you all the time. If anyone's wondering, did you say it in the last episode or was it afterwards that I need to get on TikTok? Uh, it was probably in the last episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so on the, it's literally 15th of June. I've got start TikTok in my diary. So I'm still listening to you. It's just took quite a delay, but I'm getting there.
1: Yeah. So um, that's, yeah. So that, but all those links anyway are, um, are on my social channels and uh, yeah, that would be, that would be the best way. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll link all this. I will. People have a way to find it.
0: It will be all in the bio. And once you've got your group set up, your community, if you want me to add that as well. So it's in there for everybody for sure. Yeah, that's
1: in, that's in waiting on the website. I think you'll see cool. that it's, um, it's a work in progress. However, um, if people are interested, I do have a set of offerings that are already on the website, um, which have been uh, pretty pretty fully booked, I would say, so far, even though I haven't um, had like, full-on dedicated time to this. Um, but yeah, if people want to um, see how any of those transits personally affect them, I have their chart read and so on and so forth um i know yours is due soon (laughs) yes
0: brilliant han thank you so much we will see you again won't we in the next few months be interesting to hear about the end of the year let's see what happens but for now have a lovely rest of the week everybody who's listening joanna thank you so much thank you for having me thank you we'll see everybody again next week bye guys